You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. Thank you so much for joining in on the fun. This is the Packernet Call-In Show. If you want to participate, you can call in 608-501-0718. Leave a message about whatever, and we'll talk about it. First rule of Fight Club is uh, new callers go first. We do have a new caller. So, new caller, what's going on in your world? Hey, Brian, this is Mike calling. Hey. I was just calling to see if you had any insight. Last year, the Packers' defense was terrible in the first game, and at the end of the season, they were... Uh, just about dominant in the playoffs against the 49ers, only to come out flat again at the beginning of this season and now playing excellent at the end of the season. What what caused the drop-off from the end of last season to uh, the beginning of this season? Was it the players, the scheme? Who should be to blame for that thing? Well, I wish I had a better answer. I I don't actually know. Um, The only things I do know for sure is, number one, we have – made some changes with the scheme. Um, fortunately, fortunately, Dara wrote an article about that. Unfortunately, I haven't read it yet. I have the tab sitting here. I haven't combed through it. I don't know exactly what he goes into. Um, can see he's talking about cover two, um, different kinds of things, coverages and whatnot. So so there have been some adjustments. And, and I also know for sure there is a difference in the... Um, motivation, I guess, from the defense or heart, passion, desire. Um, Why they didn't have it all year, I don't know. It also doesn't really explain, and and I don't know if the article goes in-depth on this, but one thing I'd be curious about is, is how we started this season. Has that been just the general Joe Barry defense? In other words, we spent a year and a half doing it one way, and now we spent a second half of the year doing it another way, in which case... To your point, we ended last year doing quite well. Why did we start off this year doing so poorly? I don't really know. Wish I did. Um, I don't. I don't know for sure that the changes are doing anything. I'm guessing they are, but to to what degree is it that compared to dumb luck, compared to bad offenses, compared to you know good game planning against these these teams? 
compared to the defense playing with more fashion and uh, fashion, passion and fire and vigor? I don't really know. Some interesting questions. I did do one thing that I found interesting. I, I was going to do it for uh, not tomorrow's podcast because that's done, but maybe the day after. We looked at Christian Watson, or we'll look at tomorrow, as you'll find out. The next thing I was considering looking at was the whole Jair-Justin Jefferson thing, because obviously the narrative from Vikings fans is just as Jair didn't do anything. It was all double-triple coverage, and he was cheating. Plus, he would they cheated with the wet field, and you know the whole thing. So I wanted to look at it myself, but one of the things I wanted to check out just beforehand was how much man coverage there was from Jair compared to his week-to-week. You know, what What does he usually do? So I looked at his average, but I also went through every single week and looked at how often he was in man coverage. And I did the same thing with Justin Jefferson. How often is he guarded in man coverage? And how much was he in this game? Because one of the questions that I wanted to... One of the objections I've heard is it's not really to Jair's credit because they used a lot of different zone concepts. And the point is, everybody does that. So the question is, did the Packers do it more often than normal? Because if the standard is, you either shadow this guy 100% of the time or you're not a true lockdown corner and shouldn't get any credit, then there has never been in the history of the universe a true lockdown corner. So that's not a fair standard. So that, in other words, that's how I got to that point. And I did find it interesting because there really isn't a... Um, a line that you can draw in which here we're playing a bunch of zone and then we switch it to a bunch of man or vice versa. It's a week to week thing. You'll see Jair at like 3% man coverage and then he'll jump to 40%. He usually hovers around 20%, but there's 17 and 10 and then 30. And so there isn't just a general way that things were done. It's a week to week type of deal. So I don't know. I don't really know the answer to that question. I don't really understand what's going on. I can't tell you why the offense fell off to the degree that it did. I can to some degree explain that, but then, you know, explain its resurgence. Well, Christian Watson is is a big part of it, but, you know, beyond that, I don't really know. Has the play calling changed at all? Um, For example, even upon uh, review yesterday, one of the things I thought was funny was you start seeing Christian Watson in motion a lot more toward the second half of the game. Why are they doing that? because we shifted to a more run-heavy approach. So you're seeing more tight ends, more motion, because not only are we running the ball, but they know we're running the ball. So how do you gain an advantage when, when they're planning on stacking the box? You threaten them. You say, yes, we're running, but what if I give it to Watson? You sure you want to be so, so tight and close to the line? Maybe you want to back up and spread out a little bit. It's a way of saying, we're running. You know we're running. We know that you know that we're running but I'm going to throw in a couple wrinkles to make you kind of question the way in which you approach this. And your over-aggression to stop the run, which is generally seen as just smashing somebody between the tackles, we're going to try to make that work against you. So the point is, there's, there's shifts in philosophy and, and the way of doing things, and even from down to down, from quarter to quarter, but also from week to week offensively. I don't know what all those changes have been either. Special teams. You know, Keyshawn Nixon gets the primary amount of uh, respect, and although there was a uh, blocked kick, which is not acceptable, and there's way too much of that in Green Bay, we haven't had that in a while. That has been improved. But beyond that, Keyshawn Nixon, I would be willing to bet if he was our kick returner last year, we would have had no real interest in him. You know why? 
because our blocking sucked so bad he'd be down at the 10-yard line every time he touched the ball. So there's there's so many moving pieces and parts in the NFL and things that are changing. I don't exactly understand that. that the defense is clearly the most uh, confusing. But outside of some generalities that there's been a somewhat of a shift in scheme and philosophy and some shift in passion that is inexplicable because it came after the fact that the season was basically in the books and the defense had been written off and Rashawn Gary got hurt. But here we are, just clinging to the hope that uh, it's going to continue for a very long time. To quote Kurt Cousins, You like that? You like that? I definitely like that very much, Kurt. Thank you. Surprised nobody pulled that out. The low-hanging fruit that nobody thought of. Or maybe we did and just were like, meh. <laughs> I'm sure somebody did it. I don't want to be late to the party. Kurt, for making this new year uh, a one to remember. It's a good start to the year. And I've already broke all three resolutions. Hmm. Number one, I was going to get more exercise. Well, I've been on the couch since 1130 watching football. It's still time. Two, I was going to quit drinking soda. It's actually hilarious that you said that because you know how it goes with, uh, I mean, I'm not, who knows, for all I know, you got up and started working out, but it is kind of funny that you said that because it's like, you got all day to work out. What are you talking about? But I know what's going on in your head because I've been there because I think we all kind of do it. It's that whole, I'm going to work out tomorrow. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then you get up and you don't do it early and it's like, you know, you could still do it, and it, that little thing, that laziness in your brain is like, nope, we said early, we're going to do it right, we're not going to do it at all, go get some potato chips. I know I know how it goes. I have drank six Cokes while watching the Green Bay Packers game. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Three? I was going to stop saying bad things about Tom. And you know what? Two out of three ain't bad. Tom, Happy New Year. Go Paco. <laughs> well, it's a good start, I guess. What's going on, Packernet fam? Uh, Jacob giving you guys a call again. What's what up, up, Mr. Ryan? How you doing? Uh, thank you for taking all our calls. It's cool to have our voice heard. Calling in right after the Packers-Vikings game, and I got a few thoughts on my mind. I'm going to get them off real quick. Do it. Man, if this wasn't the day where everybody should just stop taking a big, giant dump all over the Packers, mm-hmm then I don't know if there will ever be a day. Because right. all I've heard this week is, oh, well, Kirk Cousins is better than Aaron Rodgers. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, oh. Got some bad news for you. Tomorrow I'm going to play a clip for you. Did I do it tomorrow? It might be the next day. This week I'm playing a clip for you um, in which Jared Goff is better than Rodgers. So there's that. Jair Alexander, he can't. He's really overpaid and not a good corner. I'm just so tired of it. Like, and you know what? I'm kind of loving it at this point. You know, just embrace it. Beat these suckers next week. Let's go. And then my question is, I, I thought about this during the day. Mm-hmm. Would you rather, I guess not really, would you rather, if <laughs> this Packers team played last year's Packers team yeah. in the first round of the playoffs? Obviously, it's a hypothetical that's never huh. going to happen. Who would you take? Honest question. This team with this special teams with Keyshawn Nixon – and the defense against last year's team. I, I don't know, man. I, tough question to answer. I'll let you do it. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you guys for everything. Have a good day. 
The thing that would scare me about last year's team against this team is last year's team's weakness was winning in the trenches. And you could say, well, we're doing that now. Well, more specifically, um, stifling run defense. We have a good run defense. I don't know about stifling, but beyond that pass rush, if you can shut down the run completely and keep Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable throughout an entire game, you can win the game. This Packers defense, I don't think, can do that. And so you would have a much better version of Aaron Rodgers last year than this year with Devontae Adams. And, you know, obviously Jair is going to be there, so it's it's Devontae versus Jair. And remember, last year we missed a bunch of guys, and, and Jair was one of them, as, as well as David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and uh, like everybody. And the defense did play well last year. That's that's a tough call. I really don't know. Um, yeah, you you've got sort of the old school Packers with, you know, really good Rodgers, really good Devontae, good enough offensive line, but not elite. I think this year has a better rush, rushing attack and offensive line. We, we're better at stretching the field this year than last year. In fact, incredibly so because we didn't have MVS in that game. Uh, the wide receivers we had Devontae, Randall. And then it was Lazard and Equinemius. So, yeah, I, th- I think I would be tempted to take this year's team. Again, hesitant because I, I do think it's possible things could get away from us if Rodgers and Devontae can really get into a rhythm, you know. And um, you still got Aaron Jones, you got A.J. Dillon. There's a chance that that offense starts going wild. And remember, the defense was playing pretty well. They also did have Rashawn Gary. They had a better version of Preston Smith, so they got better, way better pass rushers than we have. Although DBs might go to this year because, again, we have a revitalized Jair. Both teams had Razul, so it kind of becomes a, would you rather have Keyshawn or Eric Stokes? And Stokes had a 54 grade in that game. Razul didn't even play super great in that game. Um, probably, well, I don't know, Devondre was, was an elite linebacker last year. This year we have Devondre and Quay, but, you know, Devondre took a step back. I think we have a better version of Dar- Darnell Savage, but a worse version of Adrian Amos. That's a tough, that's tough, dude. I don't know. I think that's a good game, to be honest. I really do. It's funny how different, it's, it's the exact same players, but a wildly different team. Same quarterback, very different quarterback. Completely different revitalized wide receiver. I mean, even though it's about the same, very different. I don't know. I really don't. I think if I have to pick, I would pick last year, but only because I'm looking specifically at how that team played that specific game. The 49ers scored 13 points. Our offense would score two. <laughs> Call it three, I guess. Make it less weird. And then again, as, as solid as this defense is, it's not going to be able to generate enough pass rush to disrupt Aaron Rodgers from just using Devontae to kind of carve up this team. Now, that is a different question than which team would you rather try to go on a run through the playoffs with, to be clear. That's a separate question, but I don't know. I would call it a toss-up, but I would lean last year's team with all the flaws. Give me the pass rushers. Give me Devontae. Give me an improved version of Aaron Rodgers. I'll take my chances with that. Hey, Ryan. I just I still can't believe how well we played today. I mean, when Matt Punt got blocked at the start of the game and they had the ball at the one-yard line. I was like, here we go. And then for the defense to stand up at the one-yard line and hold the, to a field goal. Right. And 
I mean, for our starting defense, that field goal is all they gave all day. You know, those 14 other points came after both teams had called it a day and the yeah. backups were all in. So, not too worried about those. Um, and it was just unreal. I mean, then Keyshawn Nixon to have that 105-yard return. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever seen a Packers kick recovery touchdown. I'm sure I have, but I can't remember one. It's been a long time. We had the punt return back in the day, but never kick return. So anyway, um, just great team efforts and the defense. I mean, I'm pretty sure they said on the broadcast it was Justin Jefferson's worst statistical day in his career, which obviously it's only a second year, but he's been phenomenal. Um, so secondary and Jair, I mean, if Jair was on another team, I would, if, if I was the Vikings fan, I'd, I'd hate it to be so pissed. I mean, he, he was relentless with all day long, just running his mouth, you know, giving little jabs after the play and stuff, you know, and, um, yeah, he just, he definitely was in, uh, Justin Jefferson's head. Yeah. And the only, the only knock is, I mean, I know the secondary was good because Kirk Cousins had all day to throw the ball. I mean, we had no pressure on him most of the game. McKinney had the strip and the recovery and all that. There, there was some pressure, but for the most part, he stood there all day. And I just can't help but wonder how good the defense would be if we had Rashawn Gary. That's, that's the big disappointment right now because the defense is really starting to click, but I think we're still missing, missing that premier pass rusher. So if Rashawn was there right now, man, oh, man, would it be scary. But I'm not going to have him, but, uh Yeah. Hoping there's no letdown next week with the Lions. I don't think there will be. Uh, even though the Lions, they put up some numbers today, but, you know, we, we're looking good and I think we're starting to finally build some confidence. So, uh, go back, go. Yeah. So we, we, it's been a long time. It used to be much more frequent that this would happen. So we had a kick return for a touchdown technically in 2023, which is crazy to say. I was looking at the stat, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Where's the 2020? Oh, that's right. It's a new year. Uh, January 1st, 2023, obviously. The last time was Randall Cobb in 2011, 108-yard kickoff return. And prior to that was 2000. So, like, once every 10 years or 12 years or something, um, which is nuts. However, prior to that, we had a we had two kick returns in 2000. Two in 98, 97, 96, 94, 93, 91, 90, and then a little bit of a gap before you get to 84, and then it was 79, 78, 77, 75, 71, 70, 70, 69. Like it was, it was maybe back in the day these happened more regularly. I don't know, but this is a very, very long stretch without kick returns for touchdowns. And, and I don't know if it has something to do with the rule changes. Maybe there's just a lot less of these now, but um, yeah, man. Really interesting stat of the day. I forgot I used to do that, I think. Some kind of weird stat of the day. Um, maybe it was trivia of the day. That's right. That was kind of fun. Which Packer is the only Packer to record two kick returns in a day, in one game? Which is impressive because one every couple years at in our best stretches is, uh, is, is a pretty good stretch. If you have one every two to three years. This is two in one game by one guy. Sunday, November 12th, 1967, the Vince Lombardi Green Bay Packers at Milwaukee County Stadium against the Blanton Collier Cleveland Browns. The Packers won 55-7 to in this game. They scored 35 points in the first quarter. There was an 87-yard kickoff return 
Um, looks like to open the game, perhaps, by Travis Williams. Travis Williams later in the first quarter. So it's actually two kick returns for a touchdown in one quarter. He had an 85-yard kickoff return. In between that, you had a uh, 14-yard touchdown pass, Bart Star to Mar Fleming, a uh, two-yard run by Donnie Anderson, 27-yard pass from Bart Star to Donnie Anderson, 59-yard run by Ernie Green, and then the two kickoff returns to get you to 35 points in a quarter. Crazy stuff. Packers are just seven-point favorites in that game. Some weird, wild stuff. Last call, promise. The one thing that really pissed me off, though, on Rogers' side was beginning of the game, we went for it on that fourth and one uh, right on the other side of midfield, and he takes, like, a 15-yard sack. And, like, I, I just I don't understand. He's been doing this shit all year. Oh, hope you had your bleep button ready. Yeah, um, kind of caught it. You know, he takes these long sacks at the worst time. It's like, at the least, you could have thrown the ball away so you didn't give up 15 yards of field position. So... That is very annoying, and I am getting quite tired of that. However, this one, I will say, having gone back and watched it, wasn't as bad as the last one where he could have easily thrown it away. This time, and this might make you more upset, is one of about four different times where Christian Watson was not only open, but was open deep down the field and probably could have scored a touchdown. The play that, uh, if you look on my Twitter, I posted a picture of Christian Watson's jersey being held, uh, being pulled, and then a second later, him being running free down the field, that was the play. So they sent Christian Watson down the field. He was wide open down the field. That could have been a walk-in touchdown on fourth and one, I think is what you'd said. Um, and then said we take a sack. But the reason we took a sack had less to do with Aaron Rodgers and more to do with David Bakhtiari just getting annihilated. Um, Rodgers went into his drop. He looked and Watson was just coming free. He was getting ready to uncork that thing, and David Bakhtiari starts stepping on his shoes, um, on his cleats, because Daniil Hunter just blasted David Bakhtiari straight back. If Bakhtiari could have done anything even slightly mediocre on that play, no guarantee Rodgers gets the ball to him because he missed like four times out of four trying to hit Christian Watson down the field. He also missed him short, so I think he missed him like five times. Well, no, four. Four, I think. Because one of the times would have been this one, and he didn't miss him. He just didn't throw it to him. Because he couldn't. But anyways, uh, there's a chance that uh, this is a walk-in touchdown here. So, kind of sucks. But yeah, I I, uh, I get what you're saying. But beyond that, it's fourth and one. Like- what I, I was just going to say, that the other thing is, Christian Watson was open every single time they sent him down the field. We don't have to do it on fourth and one. And if you insist on doing it on fourth and one, let that be like one option. You know, can we do something else, too? Like, can we have a, a plan B on the off chance that, oh, I don't know, maybe an offensive lineman's kind of getting beat and we don't have time to sit around and wait for Christian Watson to get 20 yards down the field as he's being grabbed and pulled? Should have been a flag, but whatever. I don't know. I don't know. What do you have to lose? Just chuck the ball up towards the down the field. Like, if they pick it off yeah, down the go. field, at least they're in worse field position now. That's a good point. You know, assuming they don't run it back too much and – or, you know, we have a chance to complete the pass. Like, he definitely had ample opportunity to at least throw the ball up. And I just, I don't understand how you take that sack. He keeps doing it, and it's not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the pressure came, but I don't I don't blame the line because he had plenty of time to get away, get it away. So, I don't know. I just, it's like when I see stuff like that, I, I just don't understand what Rodgers is doing. I mean, maybe it's just him believing in himself too much again. Like, thinking, oh, I'm going to get away from this guy. Well, 
You're almost 40. You're not getting away from that guy. Throw the damn ball. Go back yeah, because the full context of it was David Bakhtiari was being pushed into him, so he scrambles to his right, and then he gets caught from behind, right? As he's trying to, like, perform his getaway thing, and it's just, it's not working, right? He bails backwards, and he's trying to do all this stuff, and it doesn't work, and he goes down. And you're right. You know, I mean, Christian Watson's there, bail, and immediately, like, just, just long enough. Buy yourself just enough time to wing it in his general direction. Because, like you said, nothing bad is really going to come of that. I mean, there could be potentially a pick six, but there's almost no way. You're throwing it 30, 40 yards down the 50 yards down the field, whatever it was. Um, It's not impossible, but it's very unlikely that he returns that all the way back because he has to run through all the the entire Green Bay Packers offense. But beyond that, there's a few other possibilities. You could throw it very short, and what's going to happen? Watson's going to work back to the ball, and the defender's probably going to run through him, and you end up getting a pass interference. Or maybe you get enough under it, and Watson does catch it. Or, you know, whether it's a 50-50 or you get enough air under it and you throw it properly or whatever the case may be, either way, you're right. Don't believe that you're going to get away from these guys because you're not. Especially when, you know, again, we're talking 15-yard sack. Do anything else. But whatever. I get it, man. I get it. Energy, kid. Hey. It's uh, Illinois Wayne calling. Hey. I just listened to the Sunday night phone-in. It really made me laugh, especially uh, our Alabama buddy when he oh, just yeah. calls in and just is laughing. <laughs> uh, real quickly, uh, to start with the, the more important thing, my wife is halfway through her chemo treatment. Tumor is shrinking. Doctor is very pleased. Uh, you know, about 10 more weeks, and then the surgery there. So, you know, we're just uh, overwhelmed with the number of people that have said we're praying, good thoughts, you know. Offering to help, so you know it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Packer wise, I love it when Quay is body slamming. You know the <laughs> offensive receiver. I love that uh, Jaws taking away JJ's lunch and eating it in front of him. It's a beautiful thing. I've always wanted to have a team that's a little bit more swag and aggressive and yeah. has a little attitude. And we always seem to be, you know, Packer people. Nice people, polite. Let's take the foot off the gas so we don't embarrass them too much. Yesterday was amazing. Go Pack Go. Well, I appreciate it, Wayne. And obviously, not just myself, but all of us at Packernet and everybody listen, we're all we're all pulling for you. Extremely happy to hear the good news about your wife. And um, we're looking forward to getting more calls of, of good news about that. Um, and I agree, generally. I mean, I, I, I remember it. The last couple times when, you know, I think uh, Quay hit a guy out of bounds and I said, you know what, I'll take it. I don't care. And then Quay did it again and he got ejected and he was like, all right, maybe you're taking a little too far. And then Quay does it again. He body slams a guy and it's like, all right, now I'm getting a little annoyed. But then we picked off the ball and I was like, totally fine. Don't care. <laughs> if, if we're going to get the ball back, you go ahead and commit as many penalties as you want. Because you're right. There does need to be that that element of fire to it. And Quay definitely has him. He's he seemingly is a pretty hostile guy and you you can see it throughout the game it's not just those occasional penalties I mean he's getting in guys faces he's kind of pushing shoving you kind of get he's one of those guys similar to Jair a little bit where you kind of get nervous where it's like dude just calm down you're you are walking a fine line there bud um but no that's that's it is good and if you have to choose between maybe one or two penalties because of being a little bit too aggressive 
or you can be a soft defense and you have to choose between the two. It's not even a question. Nobody chooses soft defense. Good, have a little edge. Have a little aggression. I'm all for it. Now, everybody would love, you know, to to perfectly walk that line. I want you to be a borderline psychopath. I want you to be revved up to 11. And, I, and you know, when somebody pushes you, shoves you, pulls you, for you to have the ability to not react and to not kind of take it a little too far. Somebody tees up and uh, I'm not going to slam them. You know, I don't really think we're... Uh, being fair if we expect both. I want them revved up. This is the price you pay. Couple penalties. But if it if the output is the same, meaning offenses can't do anything, I am very much in favor of that. Um, why don't we go ahead and take a break right here? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, if you'd like to support that, um, please check them out at fertilegroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, Ryan, this is Jake from the UP. Hey. Um, first thing, um, hope you had a great Christmas and a happy new year. Thank you. But yeah, on this Victory Monday, you know, I've been, uh, watching, uh, my ESPN and little Skip Bayless. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand why everyone is saying Rogers is back. Rogers was phenomenal. Rogers yeah. is carrying this team. It's like, do you guys watch these games or, or is it just because Rogers in? It's, if they win, Bob Matthew Rogers. It's Rogers is the reason. He wasn't the reason. The run game right. was the reason. The defense was the reason. Kirk Cousins was the reason. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just don't like him getting all the accolades. Right. And uh, everyone else like, yep, yeah, we're uh, just uh, hanging on to Rogers. But you know, I don't know. Minor, minor annoyance. But go pack, go big game uh, against the Lions on Sunday. So. All right, you have a good one. Take it easy. Bye now. It seems like it's one or the other. I, I have seen several commentators say things like, it's not Rodgers, it's the defense. Or, or or just in general, it's not the offense, it's the defense. But you're right. And I think it's mostly the the more blowhardy they are, the more Aaron Rodgers-y they are. Right? You, you've got the Skip Baylesses. 
You've got uh, Stephen A. Smith. Uh, I he just I just watched a video of him. I got to go back. I'll probably play that pretty soon. But he's kind of going back and, and talking about how good the Packers are and all that. But you know these guys love to scream Aaron Rodgers, and you don't want to see Aaron Rodgers. Just like they're saying you don't want to see Tom Brady. And it's you know I mean I, I I get it from the standpoint of we know what he's capable of, and it's scary. Um. But really what you're saying in that case is either number one, I'm not watching these football games, or number two is he hasn't really shown it, but it's in there somewhere, and if he can unlock it, it's going to be scary. Um, but you're right. I, I think it's disrespectful, and, I, and I, I think this has been happening for a long time, and it's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. But the level of disrespect toward the Packers has been a major source of annoyance for me because it's always Aaron Rodgers' dragon dead weight. The coaches suck. The GM sucks. The wide receivers suck. The offensive line sucks. The defense sucks. The special team sucks. The running backs suck. Everybody sucks. Rodgers is dragging dead weight, and Rodgers is a saint because Rodgers is the only one doing anything, and he never has any help, and he never does that. Aaron Rodgers has had nothing but elite offensive lines and elite wide receivers his entire career. He's had dominant running backs for the last portion he's had very good defenses at various points throughout his career not not generally but again throughout various points in the career uh, again this past year 13 points given up by the 49ers and we couldn't move on to the next round because Rodgers couldn't muster more than 10 at home not all his fault but it's 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 just it's it's this whole Rodgers is dragging dead weight thing that annoys me and now that we have a team that has learned how to thrive without primarily being uh, ushered there with Rodgers, where, where it's so dependent on if Rodgers has a good day, everybody has a good day. If Rodgers has a bad day, it's a bad day for the team. They're learning to play without him. The defense doesn't need him. You know, you've got the running game is, is really starting to thrive despite the lacking uh, in, the, in the passing department. And still, like you said, you have some people saying Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. It's like, no, dude, it's not. It's really not. And aside from, you know, a couple throws in that uh, Miami game and um, maybe Dallas, there's been nothing really special about Aaron Rodgers this entire year. That isn't to say bad, but he's been like Matt Stafford or... Honestly, Jared Goff, if you look at his stats, Lion fans are all fired up about how Goff is better. And I, I go into detail, I think, tomorrow about, no, he's really not. I think Rodgers is better. However, it is very close. Goff is statistically better, which doesn't mean a ton. But even in the advanced statistics that have Rodgers better, it's marginally, marginally better. So, you know, he's fine. But this idea that, you know, the whole Stephen A, he's a bad man. I mean, let, let's not lower our standards as, as as Packer fans when we worship Aaron Rodgers the way that we do and should for what he did in the past. To pretend that this is anything near the same Rodgers is to completely discredit his entire reputation. If what we're watching this year is a good representation of bad man Aaron Rodgers, then Aaron Rodgers has never been that good of a quarterback and is not deserving of any real praise. Let's not be ridiculous. We know what elite, scary, best in football, Pat Mahomes could never Aaron Rodgers looks like. And we sure as heck know that this guy playing quarterback, although competent, although better than average, this ain't the same guy. 
The decision-making is not there. Just the general comfortability. Like, it doesn't feel like he has command of the offense. And and I understand that's because things are different. He doesn't have Devontae and a bunch of guys that he can trust and all that. But usually it just feels like a well-oiled machine. Just boom, boom, boom. Rodgers knows what he's doing, when he's doing, how he's doing it. Now it's like Rodgers feels like he's kind of... I think we talked about this before. It's more of a Brett Favre thing where Favre was more comfortable in that backyard football thing. And Rodgers is all about structure. And he doesn't have that structure. He doesn't know exactly what's going on. And he doesn't like it. And the ball placement is off. Everything just feels kind of like, eh. And then again, it's, it's, and it's, it's not all Rodgers' fault. I, I, I will detail it tomorrow. But it is annoying to look at Christian Watson and say nine times out of ten, and that is not an exaggeration, he is open. And either Rodgers is not looking, Rodgers is under duress, or Rodgers just can't get the ball to him. That's why on tomorrow's podcast, it's, I, I, I go on to say, he needs to be Devontae, period. That isn't to say we use him the same way we use Devontae. That is to say Rodgers needs to glue on that guy, and every single time that ball is snapped, his brain says, I want to see what that guy's doing. Because dollars to freaking donuts, he's open. So I'm happy we got him. You know, we always talk about this offense doesn't really need an elite quarterback. We just need a competent guy that can execute. That's Rodgers. So I'm good with it. But absolutely, there should not be any Aaron Rodgers does it again type stuff going on. And good. Rodgers has done a lot for this franchise. He deserves a little bit of a uh, little bit of assistance, you know? Got a good defense, got a good this, got a good that, but he still got to do his part. Your role at this point, your game manager. I know you don't like it. I don't care. That's what your role is. We run the ball, we play defense, and we have a great special teams. So you're going to get good field position, you're going to have a real low bar to get over cuz our defense is keeping the point totals low. You've got a real good run game to, to aid you. You've got a deep threat. You've got an intermediate threat. You've got uh, playmakers, yards after the catch guys, and you've got a really good play caller. All you have to do is do exactly what you're supposed to do, and it'll be fine. Just do that, please. Brian, it's Illinois Lane again. I'm giving you a two for today. Hey. I just got home. I pulled up ESPN. I'm looking at the odds of the matchup this week. Yeah. And I am dying. The wonderful, mighty Minnesota Vikings are one and a half point favorites over the Bears. I mean, really? That is pathetic. I got them at six Let's here. See. 13 win Chiefs are nine and a half against the Raiders. Uh, I think San Francisco, you know, of course, they have 12 wins as oh, well. Oh, you know why? They're three and a half against the. Seven and eight and one Washington Commandos. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't like calling them commanders. I get it. It's, it's, it's just outrageous. Nobody's giving them any respect. Eagles, 13 and three against the nine, six and one Giants, 13 and a half points. <laughs> this Vikings team is such a fraud. Yep. Go, Pack, go. And you, and you know why that I, I just looked at it. I was like, oh, wow. It's like, what did I say? Six over here? I refreshed it to get it. Uh... Let me see if I can find it. But it's because Justin Fields is sitting. So that moved the line that much. Um, it's actually, it, now it moved to seven and a half. I tell you what, this keeps moving this fast because I refreshed it from earlier today. So it's maybe like four or five hours. It moved from six to seven and a half. And it was at, what did you say, one, one and a half before when Fields was there, which is insane. I would have taken Minnesota at that. Um, but if this keeps moving, I'm tempted to take Chicago. I'm not even going to lie about it. Um, 
we shall see how this goes. Because, well, I shouldn't say they've been playing teams close. Again, whoever it was they played, I think, last week kind of ran away with it at the end. But it was close down to the wire for a while. Defense playing kind of tough and good running attack. And in Chicago, another bad weather game. See if they can figure out how to wear the proper cleats and do what they're told. It'll probably be an I'm not touching this game just because with the, the quarterback situation, it's a little too iffy to, to mess with. But um, I'll be monitoring that one because that's interesting. And you know how I feel with Justin Fields. I mean, yes, he he is a dynamic runner. Potentially, depending on how long he can stay healthy and stay in the league um, and stay on a football team that wants to employ him, one of the greatest running quarterbacks of all time. Now, he's going to be hard to touch Michael Vick, and you've got uh, Lamar still doing his thing, but very, very dynamic. But he is not a good thrower of the football, and whoever's replacing him is going to be as good, if not better, as a thrower. And they still have a really good rushing attack. And Minnesota just put, I think, two offensive line, their right tackle and their backup center, I think, just went on IR. And I don't know if their center center's coming back. I don't think so. I think the, the, the word is that they think he'll be back for the playoffs. So definitely not this week. So they're without their center and their backup center and their right tackle. The Chicago Bears are roughly the same. Well, they don't have the quarterback. Yeah, well, the quarterback wasn't that good to begin with. He, he, I mean, I, again, he, he, he'll kill you with, with his legs, but he's a liability as a passer. You bring in someone that's halfway competent as a passer, now you have a really good rushing attack because they're still a good running team, and they can throw the ball. Although I think Tevin Jenkins might have gotten hurt too. And, I, and maybe they're start, they're, they might be sitting other starters. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know why they would, to be completely honest with you. I think Fields specifically had some injury issues is why they held him out. At least that was the excuse used. But I don't know, why would you bench him? Well, what do they have to play for? They haven't had anything to play for in like five weeks. What did they play last week for? I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I'm almost annoyed that they benched Fields because you're right. I mean, that, that is a completely disrespectful line from Vegas. This makes it look like Minnesota is a competent team. And I am tempted. I'm very tempted to bet Chicago here just because this feels like it's an overreaction um, to Justin. I mean, obviously, there's, there's no real data here to go based on, right? So the assumption is the Chicago Bears who are bad become infinitely worse with uh, Justin Fields going out, and I, I just don't know that that's entirely the case. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. That's moving fast. Hey, it's Jersey Mike. Hey. Uh, so I'm doing some thinking. Gabagool. And uh, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, they just released the schedule. We're, we're Monday night or sorry, Sunday night football yeah. <laughs> against the Lions. <laughs> so the whole entire country is watching this game. Yep. This is this is the start. I mean, obviously, we've been saying, you know, the playoffs start now for a while right. here. We have to win every single game. But, but this right now against the Lions is the start of our playoff run. It'll be the Packers' grand entrance into the playoffs. How does that sound? It'll be their magnificent entrance where there will be no doubt that this is a playoff team. We've got, what, five games to get through, right? Maybe four? I, I don't know. Not doing the math, not looking at it. Yeah. But right here, right now, on Sunday Night Football, this defense needs to show that it can shut down Amra St. Brown yep. and shut down... DeAndre Swift. Right? Yeah. This Lions team 
isn't a joke on offense. On defense, we no. should be able to at least defense should be able Dang to it. manage against their defense because they're not. I will never remember which one I need to pause. To be fair, though, Miami electrifying offense. And what did I say about Miami? I might be more scared of Minnesota than Miami. So as much as as Detroit is due respect, the respect is only about their offense. And I don't know that they're a more electrifying offense than Miami or and or Minnesota. I don't think that they are. In fact, I know for a fact, if you look at them on the road, they're not. But even just straight up, it's kind of iffy. So... You're right. I mean, the, the, the defense has to be at a 10. Because, if, I mean, if you, if you take your foot off the gas, yeah, Detroit's just going to run roughshod over you. But the good news is we just put away Miami and Minnesota and in spectacular fashion. So it's there. But you got to do it. Really great, but our offense is, is not the best so far. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but the formula is there. Run the football, Aaron Rodgers makes crucial plays when we need to. This defense needs to show that it can shut this Lions team out. On Sunday night football, in front of the whole NFL, in front of all of the fans, it's going to be special. And if we can win this game in spectacular fashion, I really don't think teams like the 49ers can can keep up with us. I I think that we're really the best team in the division, or in the, the conference. So let's, let's get a go, Pat, go. Yeah, and I, and I can I can feel the collective eye rolls on that last part with San Francisco because I know how Packer fans feel about it. Can I just remind everybody of one thing? And believe me, I get it. I, I don't like San Francisco. I know that they match up tough against us and all that stuff. Let, let me just state some information and see how it sits with you. The last time the 49ers blew out the Packers – was in 2020. It was two years ago, three years ago at this point. Well, two, I guess. The Packers since have beaten the 49ers two out of three times. Two out of three. And the last time they lost to the 49ers was the last time they played, and the 49ers won by three. If the Packers could have scored one more time, then the Packers would have been 3-0 and in their last three meetings, including a playoff game. It was only because of the complete ineptitude and incompetence of the Green Bay Packers offense that we are not 3-0 and in our last three meetings against the 49ers. So again, I understand they're a tough matchup against us. I understand the defense and all that stuff. It's not what I want to see. I don't want to see the 49ers. If somebody else can just clear them out of the way so we don't have to deal with them, that would be ideal. It's the last team I want to see, including the Philadelphia Eagles. But with that said... This narrative floating around. I, I was again watching a, a a a thing where they said that the, you know the the something to the effect of the forty like Matt Lafleur hasn't beat him. He can't beat him. He's never beat him or something stupid. Like nope. Two out of the last three, the Packers have won. The last time they won by the the Forty ers won by three. So there is not some magical curse. It's the same with the Florida thing. Rodgers can't win in Florida or whatever. That's that's false. He's won most of the time. He's gone there. Right, so I don't want to get too spun up in narratives that we can't beat the 49ers. Of course we can. Two out of the last three would indicate that we can. Uh, I don't want to play the 49ers, but I don't want to get into this voodoo nonsense 
that we just we just can't beat them. Same with Tampa Bay. We just beat them this year, right? Do we match up great against them? Not necessarily, but remember what I told you when we played Tampa Bay. This isn't the same Tampa Bay, right? They don't have this, and that was the same narrative then. Well, Tampa Bay's got this stifling run defense. No, they don't. They used to. I don't know why you're borrowing last year's information or, or two years ago information because last year they really were not that good. And so far this year, really not this good. I haven't looked at where they're at right now, but we get stuck on narratives. It's sort of like there's a lot of information. And until we update the information, we just keep the old information and assume it's still fresh. And we got to stop doing that. Before we say stuff, we got to check to make sure it's true. Let's do one more call, and then we're going to get out of here. Hey, Big City. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of questions after the game. It was awesome, awesome to see. I, I'll be the first to admit I didn't have faith in this team a lot of the time, um, especially when Jair was talking before, because I can sometimes go pretty badly for uh, for people when they when they run their mouth and, and whatnot. But Glad to see where the team is at. Hope we make the playoffs because it's a little late for uh, tanking now. But uh, my real question is, why is Jair's hat so f***ing big in this interview I'm watching right now? It's it's way too... Why? I want to know. I want to know why and what. Um, I don't know, man. It's just another stupid thing. You know, just one of those stupid things. Trends are almost always stupid, like the gritty. The gritty's stupid. It's always been stupid. I don't know why it's stuck, why it sticks around. I have no idea. It'll be gone soon, and that'll be great. Unfortunately, it'll just be replaced by something dumb. Um, I don't know. They thought it was funny, and it just keeps lingering. So that's why he has a big hat on. That's all I got for you, man. You know, it's, uh, it's just one of those things, and it's just going to be a thing. I, it's, it's, uh, they're, they're bored, you know? I think it's Elton Jenkins, too, actually. I think Elton Jenkins got it. His oversized hat. That uh, so, Some other, I think it was a player or something, got it first. And now it's kind of sweeping. And Elton Jenkins wanted to get in on it, so he got one. And I think, like, Jair borrowed it for an interview or something. I think that's what it is. And I'm sure other guys will be buying it and stuff. So That is uh, the best that I can give you if any of that is even true I don't know but that's that's the best information I have for you so anyways I'm going to leave it at that you folks have yourselves a fantabulous day I will talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye bye